everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest today, all the way from uh, sunny Northern Ontario, from Sudbury, Mr. Gus Miner. How are you doing, Gus? Hi, Tyler. Things are great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on today. Look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. You and I met many, many, many years ago. Now, I don't know, with COVID, it feels like I left you a decade ago, but I think it was only maybe three, three, four years ago. You guys were doing a project and you were involved in the, in the mining sector, which we'll talk about that a little bit. But more why I want to have you on the show is you guys were building a tech startup. You were saw a problem, you saw an opportunity. You know, you and I chatted offline a bit. You were personally able to merge a little bit of two backgrounds of experience in the mining industry, but also experience in the tech sector to build something from scratch to solve what you saw as a problem in the world. So let's just start, let's jump in the old uh, pitch elevator. Tell us what Sophie is all about, and then we'll get into kind of your journey and share a little bit about how you guys have built what you've built today. No, right on. Yeah, this is uh, this is great. So, you know, with Sophie, I mean, we've we've obviously being in the mining sector, um, we uh, as a community uh, feel our successes uh, together, uh, but we also feel our pain points together. Uh, right. So. Um, like any any high risk uh, industrial uh, space, there's there's always the risk for fatality uh, or life altering injury, right? Um, and and so you know what we saw as an opportunity was to uh, find a uh, a way to streamline uh, our health and safety management processes while engaging the current workforce and enticing the future workforce. Uh, and, and ultimately saving saving a life. You know, the, the, the ultimate goal of our of our journey is that if we are able to put um, the right pieces of the puzzles together, uh, where the Swiss cheese events don't happen, right? Like you know, when, when you look at the holes of a Swiss cheese, and then eventually all the holes align, and you've got you know you've got access to go all the way through. Uh, that's normally what ends up happening, where we see a catastrophic event occur, right? Is that the Swiss cheese just lined up perfectly that day, and then you've got um, you've got an impact. So. So what we what we say is that you know we took our, our uh, industrial experience as well as our technology experience and and the, the short one liner that that we throw out there is that we help your health and safety management system come to life, uh, with the intent of making sure that people go home safely, 
uh, or, or empowering in them to do so. Oh, I've, I've used some really key words in there, which are like empowering them to do so, because ultimately it's still up to us as individuals to make good choices and make sure the Swiss cheese doesn't line up. But I love the fact, and I want to really just call it out. I think, I think it's important. I work in a world with knowledge workers. If my software or something happens at, at my work today, no one is going to die. Like that is just a flat out. And I've worked with senior consultants in the marketing industry and people can get really fired up about deadlines and deliverables and creative briefs. But fundamentally, there is no risk of actual physical injury. Yes, you can feel maybe injured if someone didn't like your pitch or didn't like your creative or you missed a deadline. But the reality of working in an industrial space, and I'm also going to boldly say, because you and I have chatted about this, this is a sector that maybe not now, but we'll talk about that in the past, has notoriously just done things the way they've always done them. <laughs> and binders and paper chits and lost data, and like you said, come alive. How much of that was a challenge? Like, I guess the opportunity of being able to create change, but when you think of change management with a sector and you talk about anything industrial construction, it seems the last few years it's changed, but I've talked to a lot of people on the show where they're like, hey, we've done it the same way for 50 years, and there's a lot of people that don't have any interest in changing, even though it's kind of obvious that it's not working. How much of that was a decision or a go-no-go factor for you guys when you were like, okay, we're going to do this, and we know what challenges we're actually taking on, not even talking about building the tech out yet, just the actual model of different thinking? Right. I mean, it's an interesting question, and I'm happy you asked it, uh, because I will say that even conceptually, um, so when we conceptually thought of uh, digitizing an industrial workplace and, and you know, uh, like we said about like empowering everybody to participate, when we did our market research and we reached out to people that have been kind of, you know, trying it out uh, and, and, and dabbling into it over the past decade uh, before us so that we can learn from, from them as well, um, the number one feedback that I received when I said we would like to have every single worker engaged in this platform to participate in a health and safety program in collaboration with their supervisors and everybody else you know like we expect leadership to have great tools uh, but when i said you know no uh, we want we want everybody to have this right like every single individual um we've got we received everything from the oh that's interesting to just f flat out laughter right uh, <laughs> you know saying you will never uh, and you know, there's one in particular. I said, "You will never reach this engagement level. I, I, like, you know, I wish you well, but you're not going to succeed." So I was like, "Okay, perfect." So it's fuel for the fire. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, what we what we saw it always was, you know, it's the greatest opportunity. Um, one, uh, the mining sector has a world class safety system uh, overall that's available and that's really well um, advocated for. Uh, and and it, they've done a tremendous effort, including having few, a few years uh, in our journey where there's been no harm, uh, no fatal harm done uh, in the sector. Uh, and you know, we said let's let's make sure that we t we keep our eyes on the uh, the gentlemen or, or ladies that have been working in the industry for the past 35 years or so, as well as what's coming up, Wh who who is coming into the workplace, uh, and and wh who do we want to attract, and who do we want to engage and empower to to keep the movement moving forward, um, and ultimately the conversation that we have with everybody is is listen, we have a a daunting task ahead of us. Uh, and and this and the stats behind it is that 2.6 million people per year don't go home at the end of their day at work like this is this is at the world scale right 
So 2.6 million individuals wake up in the morning with the intention of earning, uh, earning a wage to support their family and they don't make it home. Fatal, like fatal incidents, right? And the number is growing, right? So, so, so putting that into context, what can we do as an organization to, um, to help curve that in, in a better direction? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what kind of systems do we need to put in place to do that? And, and for the most part, uh, most of the tools that we had looked at was purely from an audit basis. Right? We're just going to audit. We're just going to keep auditing and auditing. Okay, well, we've been auditing for many decades, um, and we're still, uh, we're still seeing catastrophic events and catastrophic loss. Right? So, so that's what we took on as a challenge, and th those are the conversations that we have with, um, you know, like we had those conversations a lot with Technica, right, as being an earliest adopter of our tools, and we took a lot of feedback from them. And, you know, we've got companies that told us, like, you know, we've have, we have 30 or 50 or 100 safety professionals on our team. Uh, but be, having been working in the mining sector for, for just about a decade, um, I consider every single individual that's boots on the ground working a safety professional. Uh, none of them are chasing injury. None of them are chasing fatal events. Um, and, and everybody's trying to make the right decisions. Um, and, and, you know, I, I see, uh, for in, in some cases, I see, you know, safety professionals that are, you know, ranked in a, in a company as, as really good safety auditors and promoters. Right, but it, for for all intents and purposes, every single individual that's boots on the ground is is a safety professional. Appreciate so, um, having said that, let's collect all of our feedback and let's collect as much information as we can from them to make sure that the platform is going to succeed, to make sure that it's laid out and and formulated in a way that's easy to use, um, easy to train, easy to onboard. Um, but that offers as many possible wins to each individual using a platform, right? Uh, so I would say probably what the strongest, the two biggest barriers we had to overcome is how do we overcome the big brother factor, right? Where we're just contributing to data that people are going to take into context, uh, in or out of context, and let's see what happens. Uh, you know, so how do we how do we just avoid that? Uh, and how do we make how do we replace the non-existent paperwork or the existing paperwork because you do have companies that are just flat out not even doing it on paper um, how do we take that and say let's just give them the ability to use their phone or a tablet or a chromebook or whatnot to go forward so so those are probably the, bi the two biggest barriers and what we found was that you know everybody's walking around with a phone uh, anyways right uh, as it is so the technology barrier wasn't as great as we thought it would be um, however making sure what was very very important in our journey was making sure that everybody using a platform had a win of some kind um, so there was some form of of an so it was seen as an investment into what they were doing every day rather than just contributing to the data uh, that would lead decisions for for future outcomes um, and i would say that's probably where we're seeing our biggest successes today where You've got individuals acknowledging the positive work, the positive atmosphere, the positive feedback in the field. Um, you're seeing, you know, uh, leadership really taking the time to acknowledge the workforce for for what's happening. Uh, and now we, were, you know, when you're starting to see the workforce acknowledging back, like thank you for leading us in this path because we saw some success, some, some a lot of success, mm -hmm. um, or acknowledging each other, saying 
hey, you know, Tyler, thanks for stepping in and doing a great job on the previous shift. It really allowed me to take this work and move it forward. Um, it, it, it's, it's been quite amazing um, to see that come through, especially having been really uh, um, exposed to the, you know, we even though we, we know that people don't purposely do things to harm us or, or get in our way with our success, uh, because we don't know them, we don't see them and we don't feel them. <laughs> they did this on purpose. They only chased their own success. Now I got a mess to deal with today. And then you get that beautiful f language that follows, right? Yes, um, so, so it's been fun and, it, and it's been interesting to, to see um, how we've tackled it and, and, and where we are today. Uh, but I would say like at the onset, that was the goal, was, was to get everybody engaged, uh, believe in what we believe as an organization, truly believe that they had all the power possible to be in charge of their their delivery and their safety, um, and to make sure that you know they knew that they had full control over whether they go home or not. I, I appreciate right? the the dichotomy of you know, like the f the fear of Big Brother and someone looking over my shoulder, which. You know, lots of times there's lots of statistics out there around, oh, geez, you know, now that we have all this video and we have all the, like, the, the risk that, oh, it's going to, you know, abuse, abductions, crime, that all the things that were uh, supposed to go up because of the internet have actually gone down because of transparency and because there's been more people able to have optics on everything that's going on. Just some interesting statistics of what we think happens versus what actually does happen. So I'd love to hear that exactly. transparency has turned more into a positive. Well, because I saw you doing something good, I can actually also compliment you and, call you and catch you doing something right. It's a very different leadership philosophy than catching you doing something wrong. Uh, so I do love that it ended up that way. Talk to me a little bit, and I, I'm making my own assumptions. How critical was it having a partner like a Technica early on in the stage? And the reason I ask is I've seen a lot of, I've had a lot of advice from venture capitalists, even from tech companies like, ah, I should have got connected with the customer sooner. I thought I had the solution, but when I went and actually found out, like it's, it's kind of, it's the falling in love with the problem or falling in love with your customer's version of the problem. How much was that a factor for you guys to kind of get the tech right, if you will, to have those clients as close to the, close to you as possible at the early stages? I mean, it means everything to be able to have somebody acknowledge what you're doing, uh, whether you're doing it in the right direction or not, <laughs> right? Um, so, so having a proving grounds, um, in my mind, is critical. It, it's critical to make sure that you see the things through, not only for the success of your company, but for the success of, the, of their, like for their Ultimate, success, yeah. right? So on a technical side, we can technically build a lot of great things, right? Uh, but if we're technically building something that in reality, it will not be used uh, because it's too technically challenging or it's not formulated in the way that's conducive to what's going on in the field um, or it, there's, there's, no, there's no clear uh, adjustments as far as how things tie back into uh, to the big picture for the organization. The whole thing is for nothing. Well, the, you, so you, it, you it was very, very great. important. It's only for, great if it's valuable to the customer, ultimately, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're not solving a problem, our product lives for nothing, yeah. <laughs> right? So, so you know, we, we, we took things as one problem at a time, you know, like what are, the, what, are the, what are the pain points and what's the headache that you want to get rid of today? Or not necessarily get rid of it, but have a better way to manage it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's dive into that. And then we built that feature and then so on. So, so what we talk about even now with, with, all, with our growing client list is 50% of everything we roll out at all times is from direct feedback from the consumer, right? Um, 
because if we're we can have great ideas and if it doesn't correlate to what occurs in the field then the ideas are just they're for nothing right um, so having a partner that had a large enough workforce to really really beat up our tools uh, both from a um, uh, you know uh, cult, like a, you know from, from a cultural standpoint but also from a demographic standpoint having users from all walks of life all age groups um, uh, all with different backgrounds, um, super important. And, and Technica's got a really big group, right? I mean, for uh, at one point, I mean, we, we were encroaching close to 600 users on our platform uh, at any given point. So it was, um, so in, you know, in my mind, up to 600 safety professionals giving us feedback, right? Um, so it, it was critical. And, and, it, and it, it was also um, very important to see that yes, this will be adopted. Yes, we are solving problem, and yes, we are making a difference. Um, and it was a journey for Technica as well, mm -hmm. right? So it was a it was a win win for 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 us. Uh, and now we get to see how an organization now operates four years later. Uh, you know, given the tools in place, uh, so we were able to really see a massive transfer uh, transformation. Uh, but like anything that we would expect from an early adopter, if we didn't have an early adopter that did not believe what we believe, we would have seen some some challenges as well. Right. Right. W you know, so it was important to really get connected with a partner that believed what we believed and led the rollout and the implementations and the adoptions and, and even dealing with the headaches of development. I mean, we're developing. It's not going to be pretty all the time. Like sometimes we're trying something new and it just flat out doesn't work. So the feedback is important and we correct it, right? And it was, it was important for us to correct it quickly so that we don't lose engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, having that leadership conversation about, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what we want to do sometimes and sometimes it's just flat out not going to work out and we're going to try again. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, keeping everybody engaged and keeping everybody uh, in a positive mindset, uh, mindset, knowing that we were traveling things out, uh, super important, right? So it's been a, it's been a really, really uh, exciting journey and, and having that level of leadership le uh, help us out uh, was imperative uh, to our success. When you think about your ideal customer profile now and how critical is that? I, I love what you said about they're willing to be on the journey with us. I'm, I'm like paraphrasing, of course, but a little bit they're willing to go, yeah, hey, we're absolutely going to take your feedback and we might try some things you suggested and it might work, it might not versus like you're my vendor, it needs to be perfect all the time and if it's not, I'm kind of pissed off at you. Is that a critical factor for you when you're looking at who are the best partners? Because there's that thing, you're a vendor, so you're kind of beholden to the client. But what I'm hearing for you, and maybe that was even in the early days, but I'm curious how much because... You know, again, the, the old joke, when are you not a startup anymore? I don't know. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a grit. It's a grind. When you think about the new customers you're bringing on, how critical is it for them to have that right? Like, what is the right attitude to have the, like a client that you know is going to be successful when they sign up? Because I'm sure you have a gut feeling often like, okay, I don't know how this one's going to go. Or like, oh, this is going to be a great partner because we can work with them. Is that a big factor in terms of, you know, as you grow this business and, and bring on new customers? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is because at the end of the point, at the end of the day, like, I mean, we could be approaching a client that um, we say we're here to solve problem ABC. They might not believe that it's actually a problem. Yeah. And that's and that's okay. And that's okay, right? And those clients, it ends up being uh, a nice, you know, conversation about how we're not going to work uh, together, right? Because <laughs> um, we, we advocate that we are here to be your partner 
we're here to be a partner in, in health and safety. Um, our tools are here to empower uh, and enhance your leadership, but not to replace it. And, and some organizations are like, I want all these automations because I just, you know, I don't, I don't trust my people. Um, cool. Um, however, if the if the true intent is to save people's lives and the true intent is to solve a problem, um, unfortunately, a lot of automations don't solve that many problems. Like you have to have the right mindset as a leader. Uh, to endure, first of all, to endure a rollout of a new technology and a new initiative, uh, because what happens with our products, it's so it's so deep rooted into your processes and procedures. Uh, no different than an accounting system. Um, that if if we don't, you know, if together we don't believe that we're solving that problem and it's worth the effort, um, it's just going to be, you know, thanks, we tried it out. Uh, let's let's just you know go our separate ways. Uh, it's not working. Right, but in a, in a, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the software that's not working; it's the collaborative partnership to implement the you know the the, the instruction that's not working. Right. So, um, having said that, for us, I mean, super important that we're aligned that these are in fact critical issues. Um, so we get aligned on the problem that's at hand. Uh, we get aligned that the solution is a fit for that problem. Uh, and then we, you know, we have to approach a conversation in a positive fashion to, you know, to, to make sure that people that, you know, uh, believe what we believe. Uh, and if the leadership is not coming in with a mindset of believing what we believe, it becomes a very, very difficult journey for implementation like yeah. and to ultimately success for the client. I mean, we're only successful if the client's it's successful. It's so deeply ingrained of like, you know, dancing around the word, like you, you have to have a culture that is the right fit or a culture that believes in this because it, it, it isn't just at a software. It's actually changing and, and influencing how you operate and how you interact with, with each other. Do you notice any, because uh, you work with global, you work with, and you made the comment, I think before we started recording that a lot of the, the, the companies that, are, that you, you find doing work in Sudbury, the mining companies are part of big global conglomerates you know it's the mining industry is a massive industry do you find like jurisdiction is it just company by company is there certain companies that are based in parts of the world like i'm curious who tends to lean more towards this collaborative cultural change in how we do things to ultimately create a safer better outcome for all of our workers is there anything do those clients differ from geography to geography or is it really just company to company kind of what, like what you see out there with all the conversations you have Oof. I mean, that's a, what I did see is um, maybe not geog. Well, I mean, I do see from geography, uh, from geography standpoint, like there is a, a big difference between North America, South America. That's what you, you, know, you, Africa, get, you see what I'm like going to kind of, kind of dancing around um, getting, getting after here. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, I mean, no one uh, wakes up in the morning thinking that they're going to create an unsafe atmosphere for their workforce and that they're there to just, you know, ultimately like, no one really does that. Um, However, uh, there's also the factor that you, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. right? So there, there are some organizations that, you know, selling, selling or, or trying to promote what we're doing um, is no different than trying to buy, get them to buy a ticket to go to Mars. Uh, you know, how, how do we even get, like, how do we even get there? There's no way that you guys are successful with this. There's no way that we're going to get there uh, because of where they are in their journey. Right. So like even when we compare industry to industry, right, like mining, if you if you put mining in, in comparison to manufacturing, they're speaking the same language. They have very, very similar safety systems like they're very they've had a long journey of of um, 
of events, right? They've had a long journey to get to where they are, same thing with aviation, right? Uh, but then you start looking at construction and transportation and, and other places that are super, super, super dynamic, um, as well as distributed. So a lot of companies, you know, a lot of construction, they're very, very distributed workforce. Um, they're having a hard time implementing paper uh, processes at this point. So they're like, really, you're going to tell me now that you're going to do all this all, you know, all through digital means and, and it's actually going to work. Cause we haven't even had a chance to really implement it on paper yet. It just doesn't fit in our day to day. Um, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it, they're interesting conversations to go, uh, through because you are kind of selling at this point, you're kind of talking about a pipe dream for them. Uh, especially when you're taking an industry that's focused on it so much, and and created a world-class system and now we've elevated a world-class system to a whole new level well now when you go to an organization that still hasn't adopted uh a piece of this this culture yet they're seeing this as there's there's no way that we're going to travel this journey uh in a in a short amount of time like this is a 10-year roadmap or a 15-year roadmap um so we do have those conversations and and it's interesting to see uh where everybody is and and sometimes it's a good time to engage because they truly believe that they need to make a shift and then sometimes it's well you know for the amount of investment to make that shift um you we'll, know we're not prepared we'll to do that next and, year. and, we'll and unfortunately what we've after, seen is that we have an incident not yeah and and even then even like, you know, there's an incident that occurs. Oh my God, we got to do something. 48 hours goes by, 72 hours goes by. We're back to normal and, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. It, we've seen that occur as well. And, and until an organization realizes that they can, they can leverage safety for production or leverage safety for sustainability, until they truly believe that, it's very, t it's very difficult to, to, to partner up, right? Uh, because, you know, if you're still thinking that safety is a roadblock or safety is a, uh, something that gets in a way for producing what you want to produce every day, um, or, or that, uh, you know, safety is a pain in the butt, right? Uh, I, I, all I keep saying is it's really, really hard to produce what you want to yeah, produce yeah. when everybody's sick at home. Right. Yeah. And we've seen that through this pandemic, right? We've seen that through the pandemic where with all the rules that we had in place, People are trying to produce and everybody's at home. <laughs> like you cannot sustainably do what you want to do and produce the value that you want to the world when everybody's out of commission. Uh, so it was a perfect, I mean, I would have chosen a different to way to kind of <laughs> yes. explain that. Uh, but it, it was kind of one of those things that very perfectly illustrated what it means to build a sustainable business. Um, and, and, you know, when you're always firefighting and you're always, you know, taking care of, you know, broken arms, broken legs or, or, or fatalities, there's no way that you can be, uh, truly sustainable and profitable, uh, tying it, tying it that back way. To uh, and it's, and it's got a huge impact on communities, right? Massive impact on communities. From the perspective of you have your roots in the mining sector, but you mentioned aviation, which again, I grew up in that space, highly regulated safety is just a way of life check, like, there's no really cutting corners, because if you do people die, the consequences are severe, you mentioned manufacturing. So for you guys as an organization, uh, I've been understanding mining is is, is your, your bread and butter, because it's where you came from. Have you been able to branch out into other sectors? Or is that a, like just thinking about your roadmap as an organization, as you, you know, understand, like, who's, who's the closest adjoining? ideal customer profile to my to my current ideal customer profile is that been are you guys at that part of the journey yet or has mining still been more of where you've got most of your 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 traction because it is your roots 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, we've, uh, I mean, like anything you do, there's always a halo effect, right? Um, so there is, you know, there are people from the from from the out, outside of the inner circle, as you will, that see it as being very attractive and and they gravitate to it. So, so no differently, we've had that same effect. And and health and safety is a universal language. I mean, everybody kind of tackles it in a very different way. But the fundamental building blocks of health and safety and building a a, uh, a workplace that everyone deserves to be in um, is a universal universal language. So now we're starting to see people from long-term care facilities. We're still we're starting to see people from uh, the forestry, transportation. We're starting to see even farmers, right, uh, where they're they've got people distributed everywhere, kind of cultivating uh, food and you know they they run into problems right where like these things are like these machinery like this machinery they're using in farming is is you know you don't have a very large room for error um so like we had a mushroom farm right that they said listen like our, our injury rate is way too high like we need support uh we've seen uh, chemical manufacturing uh or chemical plants uh, and now recently we've started having a lot of conversation with the educational sector and uh and and cities right as far as municipalities uh, how do i manage all the moving parts of my city uh in a very you know centralized but decentralized way uh you know to make sure that we we, we capture everything properly and 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 have the due diligence required to to sustainably keep moving forward one we don't have the money anymore to hire people like a whole bunch of people one it's the money's not there because of inflation two the people are just not there yeah, <laughs> like there's, yes totally. they're not even there to hire in the first place so so how do we streamline our efforts um and and uh and at the same time enhance what we're trying to do uh while you know to create uh, the workplace everybody wants and and that wants to work for uh right and and thrive in right so i love i appreciate the talk, comment about health and safety the universal language talk to me a little bit about you just kind of touched on it you, you again you, you alluded well to my next question uh people finding people you're in Sudbury. I'm in Calgary. I have a constant conversation with startups here. Oh, we can't find talent and trying to get people to move here. And, but yeah, we're a city of 1.4 million people. And, you know, you're in Sudbury. I'm curious, has there been any kind of a limitation for you in terms of the ability to grow the business through finding the right talent? And maybe even how is remote work and how have you guys been able to tackle that kind of challenge over, especially, and, you know, COVID exaggerated this for everybody? Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I mean, for us, Right from the onset, when we built the business model, we knew that we were going to be an, interna an international company. Like we knew it because most of our clients have multiple locations spread around the world. We knew that we would have to support multiple languages. So right now we do support French, English, and Spanish, and it's and it's expanding. I mean, I see Portuguese coming. I see you know some other ones. Um, so so for us, we immediately built our business to scale that way. Where I wanna, if I need to hire somebody in France, or I need to, and which we do, <laughs> uh, and if I need to hire somebody in in Chile or whoever, that I can just very easily hire this person, onboard them, and have them be part of our culture. So nice. we've been leveraging what we call remote tools from the beginning. We don't even call it remote. Like when when the uh, it's just work. Right. So so when the you know, when the pandemic first hit and they said, OK, everybody's got to go home and leave the office, we were like, OK, we just grabbed our laptop and went home. Like there was no real transition because we had all of our tools, systems, procedures and policies already in place Built that way. to do that. Right. We knew that we weren't going to build like a, you know, couple of dozen million, you know, uh, building and things like that, because there's just no there's no reason to do so, because our workforce would be distributed all over the world. Um, so yeah, so we took that on. So 
having said that, um, acquiring talent has not been uh, a major issue for us uh, to this point. Uh, now, if we start scaling rapidly, we may encounter a different uh, different scenario. But so far, it's been like, hey, we need one or two or three roles for this. Uh, we reached out. We've had some really, really great partnerships form along the years uh, with uh, with the colleges and universities. So we've been able to get you know talent that are, that are coming out uh, of of those streams. And, and a lot of international students, right? A lot of international students have been coming in with a lot of uh, experience from their homeland, right? So it's been, it's been really good that way. Um, and, you know, you, leveraging platforms like Upwork and things like that, we've been able to set contracts with people all over the world without having the complications of, you know, managing payrolls uh, and things like that all over the world. Um, so it's been, it's been good and we've, we've leveraged the tools that we need to leverage to make it work. Um, but also understanding that a physical human being in a physical space does not quantify a paycheck. <laughs> I appreciate where that, you're going. That's not how we quantify a paycheck here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? We have assigned duties, assigned missions, right? And as long as you're delivering on those duties and those missions, your your pay is validated. So yeah, we capture logs and we capture all these things to make sure that we we, you know, uh, we're we're delivering what we need to deliver. But I've always talked about if a leadership is um, timid of having people working outside of the office space because they believe that they're either going to underwork or overwork or whatever the case may be, take a look at your scope, right? If people are at home overworking, chances are it's because your, 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 your scope is set up for them to overwork. If you're if you're if they're underworking and under delivering, chances are the scope of work that you've assigned to them is falling short. So, if you're if you're paying somebody for ten hours a day and you gave them three hours of work, that's great for them, uh, that's and that's on, on you, you to adjust. That's on you. <laughs> I agree. If you're paying them for ten hours a day and you give them sixteen hours of work, again, it's on you. So so I tend to th to lead on leader lean on leadership a lot uh, more in in this model. So let's make sure that we plan very well. So we, we do work in an agile methodology here. Um, and every two weeks, it's okay. We've got X amount of hours in a week or in, or, or in the two-week sprint. Let's plan to 80% of those hours to make sure that we're not over committing our resources and that we have uh, some room for additional tasks that may come through. Um, and let's make sure that we deliver at 100%. Because uh, what we found at the beginning is be, uh, we had to really, really fine tune and really get good at estimating tasks, yeah, right? Yeah, so we would estimate X amount of tasks. Right. We're like, yeah, we're gonna do all this stuff in two weeks, right? And then next thing you know, there's only 10% of it that got done in two weeks. And then it carries over and then it carries over and it carries over and it feels like nothing's getting done because yeah. you haven't granularly uh, detailed uh, the task properly and assigned an actual uh, valuation to the task that was manageable, right? So if you say it was four hours, I mean, you can sandbag it a little bit and you know it's going to take two and a half or three, but you're giving four so that in case something occurs. Uh, but if you say hey, it's going to be four hours, but in reality it ended up being four or five days, well, there's a piece on there for the leadership, but there's also a piece on there for the people executing the task to raise their hand and say, hey, uh, thank you very much for giving me this. However, these are the variables that we're working with, and this four-hour task is actually four days. Can we break it into pieces so that, one, I can log my time correctly against it and deliver, right, deliver tangible results, um, and we'll achieve the goal together? So having that transparency of conversation has been uh, a huge part of our team. 
um, and making sure that we see people face to face every day. Like we use, you know, uh, Google Meet and Microsoft Teams and all those all, all those tools, things. right? Um, but we are face to face. We are face to face. There's no we're, we don't accept not having a camera on. It's it's in lieu of being side by side. Um, however, we have the luxury of when we end that camera, and then there's no more conversation. You can dive into your work and deliver, right? So yeah, so so far talent acquisition and talent management has been um, it's been okay. It's been good. It's, it, I, I've got no complaints, right? From a from a remote, and I appreciate it's not remote. It's just work. What are your you know nuts and bolts for people listening? What are your top three or top five tools that you guys just couldn't live without that allow this to facilitate? You mentioned the obvious ones, the Zoom or the Google. But from a you know keeping projects and tracking and understanding tasking and all that, is there any kind of key? Uh, again, I love people walking away with some tangible items as people are listening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we invested right away in a centralized project management tool. So for our development cycle, we use the Elysian suite, right? So we've got Jira that manages all of our projects. We've got Confluence that integrates with Jira to manage all of our documentation. So we got one place for documentation. And it's not like a folder system. It's a very, very structured hierarchical system that everything is tagged and searchable. So we've got Confluence for our documentation. Uh, we've got you know Bitbucket for managing all of our code. We've got Bamboo to deliver all of our code. We've got Service Desk that ties into Jira for for tech support. Um, and now you know we're implementing things like Zoho CRM for uh, CRM project management for client success, marketing management, social media management. So, so what I'm getting at is like you know we've got a big cluster of tools, uh, but they're all designed to work together. Uh, so no silos, right? Um, and and they're all uh, for end to end of end to end journey. So from the you know the the inception of a task all the way to delivery of the task and the measurement of success of the task, everything is there. Um, and and they're all online tools, right? So so we're essentially contributing to this thing. And because when we started looking at Google Drive or or Microsoft OneDrive and and all these other types of tools that are out there. I don't see those being very successful uh, when you know with people with servers. I don't see it being successful online either. They're all siloed folder systems. That people can manipulate very you know too easily. Um, it's very very you know it doesn't take long that you're clicking 17 times to get to where you want to go. Uh, the searchability is not there. So it was important for us to pick the right tool that we can hold our three-click system true, not only for our, so for our own software that we're building, but also how we operate. If it's more than three clicks away, you're gonna create your own or you're gonna stop looking. So let's make sure that everything is at, you know, at the most three clicks down. Um, and we've, you know, we've maintained a lot of, um, a lot of um, resilience there, I would say, or, or you know, uh, discipline. Mm -hmm with that so we you know we audit it every month and make sure that people have not swayed you know kind of stranded you know yes. kind of swayed away from the plan um but uh but yeah I, I find that you know i've always said that documentation will set everybody free uh, so we lean on documentation a lot if the task does not have the right information reject the task ask for more detail um if if the processes have not been defined write the process let's put it in because uh, we use the, you know, you don't wake up tomorrow approach, right? You don't wake up tomorrow. So now what? What does the team do? How do we recover? How do we keep moving forward? 
Um, or if we have turnover, right? How do you manage turnover? Well, documentation will allow us to continue to be able to deliver um, and and uh, take on those challenges a little bit smoother uh, than not, right? So you said a keyword. It's the discipline. I love that you guys do it on a monthly basis. That you really stay on top of it. It also says a lot about you know the product that you're building and the diligence that, that goes that goes that goes into that. No, thanks for a little bit of peering behind because it's always great to hear. Oh, it's going and we're doing, but the real how and the nuts and the nuts and bolts of it. And there's a lot of companies right now struggling with it because if you didn't have that remote mindset before and you've got thrust into it you do now and your employees certainly do or your new hires definitely do especially your high performers that can literally have the power to go anywhere now in the world you got to give them a reason to come hang out with you so when you think about the business going forward you guys it's been four years how big is your team now what's what's your kind of not, not that headcount is a defining factor but it is a, it's a number yeah we're about 34 people right now and uh, we take on I would say we take on around 20 or so oh, wow. students okay. per year awesome. um, in different types in different types of the year to do placements, uh, capstone projects, uh, internships. So we cycle through a lot of the student body that uh, that comes out of the uh, out of the educational system in Sudbury uh, to give them an opportunity to get That's exposure, uh, you know, directly in the field. Um, and and you know, we have a we also have a passion for offering uh, technology. Um, positions or, or technology uh, exposure right here in Sudbury. I mean, I grew up here in Sudbury and I knew that if I wanted to keep going in tech, it's either I created my own opportunity <laughs> or I left. I, yeah. Th those, those were the only two options that I really had, right? Uh, and I mean, this is, you know, 25 plus years ago, but that's, and I, and I just chose to create my, I just cho chose to create my path and away I went. Um, but now we've got the opportunity to create a real uh, technology hub here in Sudbury that's going to create the new solutions of the future for the mining sector, manufacturing, and so on. Um, so why build an office in Toronto? Like, let's, let's keep it here, keep the talent that's, you know, that's coming out here and give them the exposure. Um, so we're really proud of being able to do that um, and, and how we've stuck to it so far. I mean, it's very easy to just say, I'm going to go get students from Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, like all these big sectors. Um, but you know those those, uh, those educational facilities are also feeding the wheel of those big sectors too. So um, although we can, uh, we try to stay as local as possible, right? To support support the local uh, the local economy and also local uh, community, right? For uh, for opportunities. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been fun. No, it doesn't it just happen not. by magic, Tyler. It doesn't just you don't just magically have fifteen marketing experts that fall in your lap if you don't if you don't feed the wheel, the wheel Whatever stops feeding you, right? So is very real. Uh, talk to me about the future. You guys have come four years, obviously COVID and all the opportunities and the realities that that, that created. Uh, talk to me about the roadmap for the next couple of years for you guys in terms of is it is it other sectors? Is it just to continue to get better at everything that you do? That's a given maybe. But what what do you, what do you see as kind of the growth opportunities and where are the next real things that get you you excited as a leader? Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, we, we've always got the mission and I've always got the mission that, you know, we're here to help people, right? The, we, we want to make sure that um, people are cared for, uh, that organizations have the right, um, the right attitudes and structures to attract uh, people to, to do solid work, right? Um, as well, giving, the, giving them the opportunity to go home uh, with, to their families. So we are going to continue refining and you know, defining and refining and, and keep that loop going with the mining sector, manufacturing, 
um, and and construction. I mean, that's where that's where our heart is, and it's a you know it's a fairly big piece of the planet at this point when we when we take a look at the demographics there between the three. Um, but I do see us expanding into uh, into different uh, sectors. Uh, but I think I would challenge ourselves to go into different uh, geographic locations and, and keep spreading the word um, so that, you know, we, we, we create that unity uh, in safety uh, worldwide. I mean, we all came together for COVID. We all went home for two for that two week, <laughs> that two week famous two week curve, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. so we know that it's achievable. We know that it's doable. Yeah. Like, you know, we know we can do. We know we can get together and, and create the atmosphere that the, uh, the world economy and world stage needs. Um, so that's that's where I see it, and for us, as far as like a te technology roadmap, uh, we want to we want to integrate uh, human input with you know machine input with uh, biological uh, input, right? With wearable devices, biometrics, um, and, and direct and things like that. Because yeah. again, on the context of we don't know what we don't know. Um, a lot of the sectors that we deal with, um, people just want to get it done. Like they do want to get it done and there's a cost. It's either going to be a cost with an injury or, or that's going to happen right away um, or in the cost of burnout because they've worked in the heat too long um, or worked in the cold too long um, or have just worked too many days in a row. So, so, and and they, their mind is set to do so. But now having your body acknowledging and saying, hey, partner, I know you're stubborn uh, and you know that you're going to do this, but your internals are talking here uh, and they're telling you that you got to take a break uh, because uh, we're, we're about to shut you down for you, right? So, uh, I mean, the human brain is really strong that way, right? Where we can actually push through enormous uh, barriers yeah. in, in, in our, in our uh, like, you know, we could push past the pain a lot. You know, yeah, no, uh, our physiology could be in one place, but our psychology could be in another place. Exactly. So, and it, it's only a matter of time until your body says, listen, if you weren't smart enough to shut down, I'm going to shut you down for you. And, and we've seen it happen day, day in and day out. Right. So, so that's what our mission is, right. Is just to, you know, keep the conversation alive, informing, um, every single individual of an organization as much as possible for what's, what, what they, what they need to do, how they need to accomplish it and what they have in place to make it happen safely. Uh, and, uh, and, and then just scale the conversation, right? I appreciate that. Guys, thanks so much for coming on and just being honest and clearly passionate about, about what you do. When you and I met four years ago, you told me what you were going to build. And now four years later, you, you are in the process of building it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, Sophie.com, S-O-F-V-I-E.com. You guys have a great website, great logo. I have to say I'm a little bit biased, but I think it looks awesome. Um, if anybody <laughs> wants to reach out and have a chat with you, uh, LinkedIn, uh, email, what's the best way for people to, to get hold of you? Yeah, you can contact me, Gus Miner, uh, on LinkedIn, um, or G Miner, so G-M-I-N-O-R, uh, at sophie.com. And uh, yeah, if you're, if you're truly interested in a software uh, that leans on, on knowledge to, uh, you know, to convert into wisdom to save a life, which is the, uh, you know, that's, what the, that's how it all come together for the Sophie brand, uh, we're, we're here to support you and we're here to partner up with you and, uh, and, and to get it going, so... Gus, that's a good. That's a great way to drop the mic on that one. Thank you very much, my friend. That was a that was a great chat. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Tyler.